All right. We're in. Wait, look look at our waveforms. They look good. Check, check. I think, yeah. Yeah, those look good. Those look, look good. good. I actually kind of preemptively started this, and so now we have a cold open going. Yeah, yeah. It's been been a while since we had a cold open. I like cold opens, you know, I think. Yeah. You know, I, I've never been a big fan of any moment feeling scripted, right? Including yeah, meeting someone. Like, meeting someone and feeling like there's a fucking script going on. I'm like, yo, what? What what's going on here? Like this is there's something there's a layer that I'm not penetrating here, and it always yeah exactly. Me out. It's funny you bring that up. That's literally something I struggled with just now. Yeah, yeah. I was at the climbing gym, and mm-hmm. uh, the cow climbing kids. <laughs> I, I it's like a club on in, in Berkeley. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and it's it's a it's a group I would like to get to know better, mm-hmm. but I just can't seem to connect. Mm. you know and it's like i just don't think the humor's there and the interests are there <sighs> I'm so, so i don't know would you like walk up to them and, and say hi and stuff or yeah I'll say hi introduce but i i don't i don't ever get asked any questions when i ask questions they usually get pretty short responses as well mm. well so i'm like I, mm. I will say the climbing gym at least how i've been interacting with the climbing gym it's a it's like it's a very meditative place, honestly. Like people don't really talk to each other that much. Like they're in, they're in their zone, so to speak. But I don't know. That could just be the gym that I go to here um, in the square. But I'm curious for you. Like, are you when you go to the gym? I mean, are you are you like in your head or in your body more, or you're more outward facing, more noticing? I, I honestly do a lot of ruminating at the gym mm. because I, I've been going there with the intention to meet people lately which is probably not the best idea because mm. it, it is a place for exercise and climbing and meditation and and i think it should be it should be treated as such and i should just happen to meet people serendipitously that's the perspective i should the healthy perspective i should take and maybe not just healthy because i think healthy is such a it's such a confusing term lately because I don't even know what health is, man. Well, I don't even know what healthy is. <laughs> Doing what it feels good to do is, is, is to me the closest thing I get to what is healthy. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm curious what it means to like go somewhere to meet to, for the intention of meeting people. Because I realized like now that you word it that way, I don't think I've ever gone anywhere with the intention of trying to meet new people. I th- really? I think that puts a script onto myself. I think all the times where I've met the most genuine people in my life that have turned into some very beautiful friends have been serendipitously because even I am surprised at our encounter. So I have, I have no chance of second guessing myself. It's like I'm running with, it's like, it's like I bump into, like I physically bump into someone and they just grab my hand and we start dancing, you know? Mm, And then, and then since I'm, I'm so surprised, I'm so bewildered by the moment that I, that my feet just kind of fall into place and then like the muscle memory of empathy and connection kind of take over and before you know it i get to know someone versus where mm-hmm. i think if i were to approach some place with the intention of meeting someone in this metaphor with the intention of dancing with someone i'll be i'll be you know i'll be thinking of how i place my feet i'll be thinking about you know what kind of dance i should maybe pull off maybe that's some salsa maybe a tango here or there and and i think i'll get into my head um I'll, I'll trip over my own feet and so i think it's 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 the moments that surprise even me that uh that i think genuine 
encounters occur for me at least right and and sometimes they, they, they're ephemeral they, they don't last that long I, I met someone yesterday i left my headphones in one of the classrooms that i was TAing in, and and there's another guy there studying um yeah. who's like a ta for another class and for just a brief moment he's like this really intense math student um he he took math 55a in for his freshman year which is like, it's like a notorious class it's a notorious right? class at harvard being the most difficult math class um conceived but um he was very nice and i was talking a bit about my my growing interest in fractal geometry and um and we just talked and and i think i i could have pretty easily asked like hey can i get your number let's let's you know catch up sometime else but i just kind of left it at that i said thanks for talking his name is william and i just left you know and i didn't really look back on that as a missed opportunity or or a missed friend, but it was an encounter that surprised me and it gave me wonder and made me see someone else, some another soul. And mm. I left that at that. But anyways, I'm kind of getting off off point. That's kind of where I stand with with stuff like this. Yeah, but I, I've it's that is what I want to do and just like happen to meet people. But it's like for me, it, it, it takes a conscious effort to like get those interactions started because. I don't think in my life anyone has ever sort of just stumbled into my path and wanted to start a conversation. And I think that has to do with just like the life I live. I guess in college, it's it's a lot easier, like in a four year, maybe to stumble upon those opportunities. But it's like, I mean, my daily, my daily routine doesn't really foster social mm-hmm. interaction with strangers very much, which is why I have to like go out and, and almost position myself for the best opportunity to meet someone, I guess. Mm. I don't know. Mm. And, and that's, I guess I just like with this podcast, I was kind of worried about recording because I don't have a particular like theme or question. Or, um, and usually I do. So I'm coming into this pretty scatterbrained. Um, wait, wait, but, but, but when did we, when did we have episodes that needed to be themed or needed to have a question? No, answer? yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, we're just chilling, man. We're just, I know, I know, I know. Um, but I guess I, I would like to talk about a conversation I had with Nathan mm. about doing shit. Um, doing shit. Doing shit. Like, I don't, like, Nathan does so much shit, David. Mm. Like, he's, he's like the head of multiple labs. He's like constantly getting coffee with people. He's constantly like being involved in clubs. And and I think he enjoys it all. I don't think it's, I don't think he's putting too much strain on himself. Like he truly enjoys the things that he does. And so I told him like, hey, like I think I want to do more stuff because uh, I don't, I don't do too much. Um, and especially much with like other people, collaboration. Like I can't remember the last time I've made a new friend. Um, besides like Sophia, obviously. Um, and so I, I told him that like, I think, and I think I mentioned this to you as well, like therapy has sort of made me do less. Mm -hmm. It has made me do less because like in high school, I knew that I felt bad when I wasn't doing things. Right. And so I didn't understand how psychology quite worked yet. So I would just, okay, just do more things like just do tennis, just like do more with the students, just like go to these clubs at lunchtime, go hang out with Molly. And I sort of always had stuff to do. And then therapy came around and 
COVID came around sort of at the same time. And it just became about this mission of like, this is how you become content without really doing much. And I was like, oh, okay. And ever since, this is sort of just the life I've lived. Like, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm not a very ambitious person, person anymore. And and I think that's that's kind of sort of causing mental health issues, mm. if I'm being honest. Like, I don't know. I, I, I wish I just did more, if that makes any sense. Yeah. No, it does. It does. And man, I um, I don't know if you get the feeling sometimes when someone, let's say like, imagine someone came up to you and just asked the very basic question of what punk rock is. Or, or, I don't know some some other thing that you have very a lot of niche knowledge in. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Like, let's say it's like punk rock, and you have like a, a reservoir, an entire ocean of knowledge about punk rock, and this this person is asking you a very you know specific question about it. But it's like you want to you want to give the world to them of of everything you know about it. Um, that's kind of how I feel right now when you're when you're talking about this, when you're talking about the sense of doing, this fear of not do, not doing, this idea of ambition as something that you're lacking and and therefore somehow faulted for. Yeah. Um, a lot, a lot, man. I have a lot to to yeah, and that I've and, and I guess about, before, and I want to hear your thoughts, but before we go into it, I want to just preface a few things. Mm. And, and and the first thing is like, I. I also addressed the idea that I doing things out of the anxiety of doing things versus doing things out of, ah, this is something I enjoy and that's the reason why I want to do it. Mm. And, and, and Nathan's perspective was interesting. He was like, yeah, hey, I think it's okay to do things out of the anxiety. He's like, do things out of foam. Sometimes it's okay to do things because you fear of the fear missing out or feel like you want to be a better person and have more things to talk about and be more interesting because then you just happen to fall into doing things that you do truly enjoy and you would have never experienced that if you didn't almost give in to those unhealthy (laughs) shall i say emotions toxic emotions insecurity like he's like it's okay sometimes and i'm like huh that's an interesting perspective to take so i just wanted to also throw that into your brain to see how you would respond to that. Hmm. And and here's the thing. I don't really want to... I don't really want to, like, proselytize or, or, or preach what I am thinking, honestly, because, A, it's also not fully formed and will never be fully formed. And, B, I think... I think there is a power in... I think... I think we are born with each with our own dictionaries filled with words, filled with concepts, filled with objects that lack a definition. And I think what's most important is that we write our own dictionaries, right? And and I'd rather be in a place where I can ask you what these mean. Because honestly, I don't know if what ambition means to you is what it means to me or this Mm. idea of doing because lately doing has showed up in a lot of my hindu work um or or readings on hinduism and it's the idea of the yin and yang is the kind of the dynamic rotational balance between doing and being right doing is not something bad 
but so isn't being. And they, there's actually this beautiful, absolutely beautiful meditation on, and I'll send this to you. And I absolutely, absolutely recommend you listen to it. It's, it's on the equivalent when I was obsessed with Anna, remember like two years ago, and you mm. sent me that mind space thing, whatever headspace thing, mm. like, yeah. and I was listening to it. This same thing, eight minutes long, eight minutes long, and it fucking changed my life. Kind of slightly, uh, slightly disclaimer here is that I was w- one of the highest moments of my life uh, was in New York City while I was the, at the MoMA, the Museum of Modern Art there. And I was really high. I smoked a lot in Central Park, walked over to the MoMA and then looked at the art and felt fucking fantastic and, and enlightened. And it was this specific artwork that had like a guided audio meditation to it hmm. that literally like resolved I would say like 95% of my issues around gender. But separately, it has this whole, and I think you know, you'll love this, man. I'm telling you, especially given our last LSD trip, because it connects breath with masculine and feminine archetype energies. What what is masculine? What is feminine? We don't really know. We we call it this and we don't really know. And in our minds, when they show up, they appear as man and woman, but really these are archetypal forces and one of them is doing masculine the sun taking breath right being uh, you know in motion proactive activity this whole con kind of conglomeration of ideas they, they kind of bundle into this one concept of masculinity and on the other side of yin yang there's femininity the moon thinking being this deep-seated doing is spirit as being is to the soul right mm-hmm. we have spirit and soul. spirit is this is this outward excited state where you're doing you're moving you're 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 changing things and then you have the soul the deeper the still the moon reflection that i think is equally necessary and I think mm-hmm. the reason why therapy made you do less is because it's making you be more. It's giving you back balance to the yin yang of what doing and being is. Mm. Yesterday, I went on a fucking three hour bike ride. First time ever that I, I remember I was thinking about you and your 40 mile fucking bike rides across the entire state of California. <laughs> and I had bought a bike yesterday too. And so I, I rode, I just rode across the Charles River, probably. 20 ish miles oh wow Um, and then i was going on my way back um, from mit around that area to to head back to 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 the square here where i got waved down by this guy at this marriott and take off my headphones um introduces introduces himself as tim and says would you like to join this five-minute bible study and at first i was like no you know a this is a bible study and b it's like 8 p.m. at night and you're inviting me into a Marriott to do a Bible study? Like, come on. But, you know, I won't get into like the super details because they're less relevant. But he said something that really convinced me, which was that, you know, I totally get it, man. To be real with you, I'm the same way. I've received a lot of signs from the divine, from God, and I chose to ignore them, which is okay. Because eventually God finds us all anyways. Um, and it wasn't, it wasn't like that kind of like guilt trip or gaslighting tone. Right. And I can tell from Tim that that wasn't his intention. And 
given I have a bit of a kind of personal history with this story that I really like, the story of the Virgin of Guadalupe. I don't know if I told you about this. I don't think so. Yeah, but it's it's basically like this Catholic story about this woman who appeared in the 1500s. Well, sorry, this woman being the Virgin Mary herself, the Mother of God, to this like peasant, um, indigenous person, to in what is present day Mexico City, and basically asked asked him to build her, build her a church, um, and would repeatedly give him signs to do so. So, anyways, um, there's more to the story, and it's honestly way more beautifully written and told than me. But uh, the point is that I love that story because it 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 reminds me that I can be given a lot of signs that God is around me, right? Mm -hmm. When I was in New Hampshire and being surrounded by absolute stillness of the wind, that was a presence of God. So I've been giving a lot of, given a lot of signs. Um, And it's okay to not take quote unquote action on it. We're not Noah of the Ark and we have to build some fucking massive boat at every sign of God that we see. Um, So anyways, I, this just resonated with me. So I was like, you know what? Okay, fine. I'll join. And so I did. And we go into this conference room where there's a couple other tables set up and some other Bible study groups are going on. And he sits down with me one-on-one and he pulls out the Bible and he turns to Revelation, um, the, the book of Revelations. And he tells me the story. At the end of the day, I think the best way to think about religion for the sake of sanity um, is to think of them as stories. Stories that humans have found, have been able to tell that soothes one's soul so deeply that you wish to follow it eternally, right? That's, that's really what the essence of religion is. It's a story that we have found, that we have created, that we have written down, chiseled into the very rocks of our earth that is so meaningful, people decide to dedicate their lives to or dedicate their spirituality to. Um, so with that in mind, he told me a story with a capital S taking in the book of Revelation, the book of John, and talking about what it means to receive the si- the seal of God, right? Again, I'm reading, I'm at this whole time, I'm still like low-key kind of paranoid of like, yo, what is this group? Am I going to get, you know, kids? <laughs> uh, but yeah. like, he slowly just like eases me into this very wonderful story. And I'll, I'll save the other story for, I'll save the story in detail for another pod, but at the end, he said, basically, he gets to the point of saying the seal of God is receiving baptism and Passover together, right? To be reborn of body, which is Passover, and to be reborn of spirit, which is baptism, together to receive the seal and love, oh, seal of God, right? And so, okay, that makes sense. Um, and he said, okay, so would you like to receive the seal of God now? <laughs> and I was like, like right now? Keep in mind, this is like 9 p.m. at this point, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we have we have a ho- you bought a hotel room for this weekend. Um and we do we do the baptism Passover together and for you to receive the seal of God. And at this point, you know, I had the thought I was like, okay, I might leave this kidney w- I might leave this hotel with one less <laughs> kidney, you know. But I was like, wow, this is such a be- like there is no other time in my life where I can get baptized tonight with so much intentionality behind it. This guy just told me a story for 30 minutes straight about the about the evidence of the power of baptism and Passover to receive the seal of God. Like this story felt compelling because it was, it's basically literary analysis what we did for 30 minutes, right? Read into the yeah. Bible and see its many interpretations and interpret it in a way that's honestly very profound. 
Mm. He shared it with me. And hey, look, I asked my questions, right? I, I had my doubts. I asked where I thought it, where there was inconsistencies and he answered and he gave me pretty convincing answers. Convincing as in he gave me evidence from the Bible and a bunch of atheists would always say like, oh, you know, how do you, why do you prove the point of the Bible using the Bible? Fuck you. That's not the point, right? Mm. The point isn't to prove the validity of the Bible. It's like proving the validity of Little Red Riding Hood or proving the validity of Humpty Dumpty, right? You're missing the point. The point is that there's there's a story that you can take in from, right? We don't listen to the story of Humpty Dumpty because it's true or that it's real. We listen to it because it connects us somehow to a deeper meaning within us that, wow, the Humpty Dumpty did have a great fall and that the people couldn't save him. Or maybe an egg shouldn't be climbing a fucking wall, you know, like like this. Yeah. yeah. And so I said, yes, let's do it. He takes me up to the 15th floor, room 1502. There was another pair of like teacher and student that left the hotel room right before me. So I was like, okay, at least there's a survival rate, right? So I'm not going to go in and get murdered. Mm-hmm. Um, it was actually a, a girl. It seemed like a pretty young college girl. Um was leaving and she seemed very quiet. Um, but anyways, knock on the door. This Korean guy opens up and he's the missionary. It's the whole organization, by the way, is called the Church of God. Um, and he welcomes me. He has a very kind smile, kind of broken English. And he asks me to, um, well, I go into the bathroom and change into a, this kind of ro- robe, right? Um, Dude, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah, hear, hear me out, hear me out. The story's not over, right? Um, and then, uh, I, I kneel into the shower, uh, where he has lukewarm water and he prays over me once about the father, the son, the Holy spirit, something like that. I forgot what it was, but at the moment I, in that moment I had my, I had my meditation beads on my right hand and I had my Guadalupe bracelet on my left hand. So I had like symbols of my previous spiritual journey. I haven't told you about my meditation beads, by the way, I got meditation beads recently. Mm. Um, and the reason why I got them is because of breath, which you had taught me. So mm. later, but yeah. um, so I had these in my on my wrists, and I was praying, and like I've never felt more like like classically spir- classically religious, right? Like I honestly felt holy in that point. And then he pours the water on me, and look, I've been submerged in water my entire life, right? As a swimmer, as whatnot, water has never felt the same on my body than that moment like it it felt it felt truly like the fabric of reality chose to liquefy and then fall onto my body covering it it was it was unreal honestly and but it was over it was over and then he said you know you can stand up we'll leave the bathroom you can change back into your normal clothes and outside we'll prepare the passover and so i do and i exit and on the in the main room there's a table a small table there set up where there's a little shot of grape juice and a small disc of bread and i take it we pray um again over the passover i forgot what the prayer was and then we eat it and again it was like the bread was tasteless but it had its like otherworldly flavor of graininess like i I could taste what wheat fields look like Mm. um and like for some reason the word Mesopotamia came up. I don't know. Um, and then yeah, we 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 ate, we we drank it, and then they clapped. We
we shook hands and then I left and that was it so to say goodbye to Tim uh, promise that I'll come to a Bible study in the future but that was it and the bike was ride there, home was yeah, was there a sense of purity on that bike ride home? it wasn't even a sense of purity it was a sense of quiet it mm. honestly felt a lot like the time when I dosed on ketamine like mind was absolutely quiet like I, f- I could hear the streetcars and the bustling sidewalks with such clarity that I think is what purity feels like it's not like a sense of oh i'm glistening with purity it's no no no, no, empty i am empty there is no music in my background mind there's no intrusive thoughts there's no narration involved it's quiet completely quiet and then i go in home and order chinese food and and watch some netflix so it it was short-lived more or less but it was i would say a very spiritual experience but i brought up the story I guess I didn't really know why I brought up this story, but the, I brought up this story, I think, partly to, to say that I was just being, honestly. I don't think I was really doing much, but I was being. Hmm. And yeah. it was rewarding. It was beautiful. Yeah, that is a, an incredible story. <sighs> um, mm. Yeah. This This has me thinking about just like, one the significant change you've gone through in the last few months mm-hmm. um and and two it makes me wonder like is there direction in your life anymore mm. and i don't mean that in like a have you let yourself go or anything but mm. i feel like you and i were very at one point goal-oriented people <laughs> yeah do you feel like if we pull off a podcast from earlier will, will we have like a why are we productive why are we on our phones yeah <laughs> shit. shit you're right dude i really wish i was in person with you to show you i think probably the most effective effective metaphor that i've ever come across in my life and i've mm. come across many as you can tell. <laughs> yeah you have and do you, so do you know anything about the manobrot set like fractals in general. No, no. Okay, so this will have to, I think, save for another time because I think there's. Oh, I wish I could show you this, man. It's it to me. I think. Like I have finally let go of what it means to dig, to dig deeper. So I'll, I'll say it like this: like this is the other metaphor that I I I, I was talking with, with a friend about. It's like we spend our time in this mystical jungle and we at some point we decide to start digging maybe for the shits and giggles maybe for just the fun of it and we start digging and suddenly we're up, we become infected with this idea that we're digging because we're looking for this magic mushroom we're looking for this glowing piece of plant that has some sacred power to completely heal us and liberate us and enlighten us and give us purpose Right in our reality, we call that our passion, our career, our purpose, our calling. So we're digging, right? We're we're ten feet down, right? We're sweating. We, it's getting pitch black, um, and we're doubting ourselves. Um, we're questioning ourselves, and I think what many 
spiritual thought has shown us or is trying to tell us is to stop digging and for a brief moment exit the hole that you decided to dig and look around you and you realize that there's mushrooms growing everywhere. There's glowing plants everywhere. You're in a mystical forest. Hmm. For some reason, at some point, you decided to dig a hole, which is totally fine, by the way. Digging holes is dope. But then we became obsessed with digging a hole. And then at at some point, we became obsessed with the reason why we're digging a hole is to find a magic mushroom or a glowing piece of plant. To the point where we become so obsessed that we forget that we're in a mystical forest. We forget that the origin of this hole that we dug in the first place was a mystical forest that has all these things in the first place. And that's like where you hear like a lot of poets, especially like natural, like poets about nature. They sit down in a meadow and they observe a single ant traversing the bark of a tree. And to them, that is all the satisfaction they need in their life. Right. And yes, they use poetry to ramp it up a bit. Yeah. It's kind of, you know, oh, it's, it's, it's very literary, you know, but it begs the point out, which is to say when you choose to be and notice and pray attention to your surroundings, you realize that you are your surroundings. Your surroundings are you, you know, unity, all that, all those ideas you get with LSD and, you know, they become real. Um, and that, I think, is the point of meditation, right? Meditation isn't the point of getting somewhere. It is to sit with yourself. And when you sit with yourself, you realize that you're sitting among yourself, too. And that is the idea of enlightenment. Wait, can you explain that in another way? What do you mean? The sitting with yourself? It, uh, to sit among yourself? What does that mean? It's difficult, right? Because with our language of pronouns, you, your, it, it's suggesting that you are your own essence somehow, right? Essentialism, mm. right? There is this one true cow and this one true cow is navigating this one true world that's located within this one true universe. And I think what, what's been tickling my mind the, the best lately has been this idea that we are simply evolved self-awarenesses that God was able to muster up so that we can self-perceive our beauty, right? I remember I had the most, probably one of the most beautiful thoughts I've ever had was on the tail end of my LSD trip in New Hampshire when I was looking up at the moon and seeing how beautiful it was. And in my head, a voice almost rang out and saying, this is me. This is you and this moon being it's so beautiful, this vast rock in space is God, is Brahman, is this one essence, unity in us all. And we love this, you know, this unity loves itself, I guess you can say so much that it has evolved, a, it has evolved life to be able to perceive itself. Right, it's I. I as the creator, I as this essence, evolved this consciousness to be able to stand on this earth, look up at the moon and see its beauty. I created, and I unfolded the 
evolution of life to create Cal to be able to stand on top of my redwood and feel a sense of love and beauty. Like we, that is, I think, what has come out most in my LSD trips. I admit in my sober state, I walk around and I still see concrete. I still see other human beings. And at the end of the day, I still feel anxiety for myself. Hmm. And so I think there is something to say, but like at the baseline, we don't get to contend with these thoughts as often. So is the goal to be be in a state of awe and wonder more often or preferably at all times? You know, I think last week, if you if we had had this conversation, I would have said yes. The goal is to have more awe and have more wonder and to be in a state of of divinity, honestly. Wonder is the closest thing we have to divinity, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, that is our closest evidence that we are one with the divine, the sacred. And I think last week I would have said yes. But I think this week, after having gone through a fucking baptism, I guess, and then also <laughs> watching this, I don't know if you've seen this, The Midnight Gospel, have I told you? It rings a bell. What is it? Bro, it's the most psychedelic, trippiest black mirror kind of shit mm, okay. on the internet. But it's not like negative. It's like Oh, Midnight Gospel. It's a uh, is it a Netflix original? Yeah. Oh, I don't know if it's a Netflix original, but it's on Netflix. I Yeah, act- it's like it's like a it's like a short series about this guy who like enters these little simulations. Yeah, and he's he well, I think it's relevant for us because he's a space caster. Um, so it's yeah, like a podcast yeah, yeah, yeah. space. I do know it. I do know it. Yeah. Yeah, I recommend you watching this, um, especially the first four episodes. I think. I th- I think it explains, or at least I I watch it whenever I feel like I'm losing grasp on what's meaningful, like when I start noticing that shit, man. I gotta graduate soon, or some some dumb shit like that. I watch this and it puts things into a scary perspective. And when I say scary, it's more like the type of scary where you look over the crest of an ocean cliff and see a vastness that you cannot comprehend. That, I think, is a feeling that we all need to feel very often. But I think after having watching this and gone through a lot of thought about this, I think goals in general... So in the Midnight Gospel, they give this really funny metaphor. Like when when you say, and this is very like common nowadays in the US, right? Where it's like, oh, we're meditating to be more spiritual or we're meditating to have more mindfulness or yeah. our goal is to, you know, be more awe, um, be more p- spaced with an awe and wonder, right? This idea of like gaining things. And a Buddhist would say, dude, you're grinding in World of Warcraft right now. And I think that's so that's exactly what they would say. Yeah, well, you know, a, you know, in our in our language, which I think, yeah, I think yeah, yeah, the metaphor it, works for me. Yeah, it works, right? Because like we're fucking grinding <laughs> in something like in a game, right? Yeah, yeah. We're, we're seeking things. We're you know the number of friends, the the social capital, literal money, right? Like, but it's not nihilism, right? I think that's where 
low-key i think berkeley culture is that's the reason why it's so toxic is that it it's because it's so saturated with fucking lsd everywhere it's getting to this idea and then failing at the last step of saying so then nothing matters no that's not true right yes it's true that you are grinding in world of warcraft so then stop grinding (laughs) and just play world of warcraft that's why i love minecraft right it's like Mm. when you realize that grinding it is much less enjoyable than playing it yeah i get that right um and yes some people play minecraft to grind and and occasionally if you want like have a goal to like get a diamond pickaxe you go you do go explore and grind but the point is to not grind for the sake of grinding right hustling right this whole idea of doing being the club i frankly personally have a lot of bias against people who are leaders of a lot of clubs because i think that is the is is uh is frankly I'll, i'll put it this way i think it's an act of cowardice I think it's an act of cowardice to say that you do not know what you're doing. So you push yourself into the leadership position of things that you also don't really know what you're doing with, as we all don't know what we're doing with, and calling yourself accomplished, right? It's like it's like you showing off your leaderboard stats in World of Warcraft grinding, mm. right? And so I think yeah. when I was able to relinquish this idea, if not briefly, I was able to talk to friends in a way that I just want to know them and be happy with them. <laughs> um, and and <sighs> there's no there's no pressure. There's quite literally no pressure. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I get that. And, but... and... For some reason, why I've just I've been like just searching constantly for this like word that keeps me on track or something, mm. and it, and 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 it's just hard to be like, well, no, it's just nothing. But it, but it is. Uh, yeah, it's not nothing. You know, I, I I wouldn't put it that way. Yeah. Yeah, but, and then so then you. So it's 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 there isn't really a word, is there? It's it's something that you have to experience, and then and then I think, and I think you have experienced it, and and I think I've known people who have also experienced it, and and uh, they just like, you know, they get close to explaining it, but I just don't think there are words that explain that state of being. No, and, and I guess Nirvana, Nirvana, like. I don't know. That doesn't do anything for anyone if you haven't been there or experienced it, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I think Nirvana and Enlightenment are kind of overrated as, as secular terms nowadays because they sound like they sound like once like a lifetime achievement, right? Yeah, exactly. It's like something you get to and that is like it. You know, you're there. I think I reach what I call my own Nirvana when I read a poem that I really get or Mm. when I, for a brief, brief, I'm talking like milliseconds, honestly, in a day where I get this, where I see the sky and it just, it just makes sense. Right. I don't know if you've ever seen a sky that just has the exact right colors to lift you up. Um, Of course. Like we have access to the Nirvana 
all the time. Um, and I think Buddhism or the Buddha simply got to a point where he was able to feel that a lot more than I do or that you do. Um, and if he dealt, if he wasn't, he just knows that it wasn't the right time to feel it. I don't know. Anyways, I think, I think Cal, you're a very logical person. I think you're a very rational person. And I think that, that that's because that I think you've been in contact with events, characters, and places that didn't really make sense or that did not, did not, how do I say this? That did not sing in harmony with your inner soul. And so to, to combat that, right, as we all do, we choose rationality. That's what's so enticing about it is that it does not it it does not depend on context whether or not it makes sense. It makes sense regardless of context. And so I think revelation is a hundred step process. Logic, reason, and rationality can get you the first ninety nine, and then that last step is a step of faith. And faith isn't about oh, I believe in God and go about it with no evidence. No, it's about looking over that ocean cliff, seeing that vastness, that unknowability, that uncertainty. And instead of either looking away out of fear or even just staring blankly and saying, this is all nothing, looking at it and just smiling maybe pop out a bubble right and smile and that i think is that last step right a revelation is that there is no revelation there is there is no there is no fucking cure to this insanity of life Mm. um and that we are all temporal and that this is not meant for you to spiral into a blackness of emptiness but instead to wake up tomorrow morning and be able to carry yourself in a way of just being and seeing how far that will take you. Maybe that'll take you to 10 a.m. and be like, you know what? I'm late to work. I gotta go. Um, or maybe it'll take you to 2 p.m. Maybe maybe you have an entire morning of just being, right? And maybe around 2 p.m. you'd be like, you know what? I'll uh, screw it. I'm just gonna, you know, check my phone and on Instagram a bit, which is okay. And then slowly, your own way of being is going to materialize, right? Um, and I and I bet it's happened before. And I feel like in your quietest hour, in your most contemplative moment, you will be able to recognize when those are, when they happened. And just letting it be, you know? not seeking to add more myths of those times to your day necessarily, but just noticing it. And I think once you notice it and seeing how, see how good it is, you'll probably the next day look out for those more mm. and be more mindful about moments to be or moments to do. And before you know it, I think just like where I am now, I'm almost surprised as to how 
peaceful I am with myself. And fuck, I sp- I my, my screen time today was eight hours, well seven mm. hours fifty six minutes. On I think just last semester, if I had a day like that, I would have been extremely disappointed with myself. But I, you know, I'm thinking about it. I have a broken pinky. I have a massive blister on my palm. Things were a bit confusing for me today. And yet still, I, you know, painted with some watercolors. And I rode a bike today. I don't know. Tomorrow morning is going to sound right. So, like, I think the consequences of life still are there. But I've been a lot... I've been a lot more slippery off of it so mm. i don't know i don't I have so that's, answers yeah right so of course of course but i mean i think you've you've had a lot so far that's for sure yeah yeah it it definitely helps um but a worry i have is i am a very emotional person and sometimes i feel like this spiritual slash existential talk it isn't a substitute for pure emotional connection Mm -hmm. and like i don't know wait to clarify so what you're saying is um i guess here i can explain it i like i've been thinking a lot about this stuff but i haven't just been like emotionally connecting with myself like it, it doesn't do that for me, if that makes sense. Like all this awe and wonder, it's like it's great, yes, but like it doesn't scratch like a yearning itch of emotion that I need to scratch or something. It's like as if those things are separate. I don't know. So what do you say? What do you say? What do you mean by emotion then? Like just the need to cry and and or feel angry or or like to write something to really channel those feelings you know it's it's like i can't just be like yes god is this this and that and this is my relationship with that and then just be like hmm everything's good now but it's not i guess i i never i I first of all would never make that claim i recognize just how dumb that claim is that everything is good um it's definitely not, you know. I um Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely not all good. Mm. Um and I don't think I'm becoming less emotional. In fact, I've definitely become I've cried I think the only times I remember crying lately the past 2 years have been when I thought about these things. I felt That's, immense sense yeah. of gratitude. I, meant, I felt an immense sense of sadness. Yeah. Sadness of like, for one, I know, like, for instance, I was thinking about my mom and how confused she was when she was a kid when she realized that she was adopted. But her mm. parents kept denying it. Um, saying that she is of her of their flesh and blood. But she knew something was wrong. Um, and to be so confused as you're as to th- have paranoia that your parents aren't your real parents and that they're actively gaslighting you to say that they are they are your parents of blood. <laughs> How confusing that was for her. How confusing that I'm, pr- I'm 
sure it still is for her mm. to have this kind of oscillating hallucinogenic view of who your parents are, the people who raised you or the people who birthed you. And I thought about how how much she would she deserves feeling a piece like this. And so I cried, right? Like mm-hmm. I'm just kind of making the point that I don't want you to be afraid of spirituality thinking that it saps away or removes the need to feel emotion. I think there are some people who are obviously not spiritual and very stoic. And there are some spiritual people who are also very stoic. We respond differently in the face of the sacred, I think. And to me, I'm fucking emotional too, you know? Yeah. I, I, I have a sense that I don't think I don't think our conversations on this podcast are going to give any sense of direction but I think what it can do if it can do anything is to just give that moment that moment in a day where like some something that we said in this podcast comes up and that slowly builds up into your own idea of what peace of what love of what sadness of what all the contours of our being feel like um and so i think the most important thing is the is the patient with these incongruities and to feel them but that's all i can really say honestly yeah okay yeah. Yeah, it's hard, man. It's hard to f- see and no, not to see, but hard to f- hear. Um, it's really hard to hear that. I know what I'm saying won't won't hit the spot, frankly. Um, because I know of like everyone that I know, you deserve the most to have your own sense of of how to do this life. Um, but like, it's it's in this place where I know I, I need the most strength to not try to push anything into you. Um, as much as I wish I could or actively want to. You know, we, we, I got this, I had this saying given to me about from this teacher who said, you are always looking for the right words to say to the kids um, so that they'll like love what you're teaching them. But really, it isn't about the right words. It's about the right place and the right time to receive those words too, if to receive them at all. These kids, they're coming back, you know, you're at, you're after school with them, right? They've gone through an entire day of school. They could have been bullied that day. And now they have to come to your fucking classroom and hear your passion about why leaves change color. That's, that doesn't mean shit, you know? Like, y- you can say all the right beautiful words and poetics to them. And they're... They had a long day, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I think... I, I heard that I was so relieved, honestly. And so I gave up trying to... To need to find the right words to say to every kid in my classroom. 
people rather trust that what I do say and what they say in return in their responses and our discussions, that's going to somehow drop into the bucket of their subconscious and rise when it needs to. Uh, yeah. Definitely. Mm. Yeah. Do you feel stuck? No. Um, I don't know. I mean, I have been crying a little bit just now, but I did have a hard day. Yeah. My car died, so I had to fix it, and it took a long time. The new one? <laughs> Say it again? Yeah, the new one. Yeah. The battery went on me. Oh. Yeah. But... Yeah, I've just been trying really hard. Yeah. And I just feel like I've been... I just somehow would just get lonelier and, like, lose more people. <laughs> Yeah. I think what I'm I'd be more scared of just given the timeline of how everything changes so so rapidly in our lives right now. You know, now I think I I really only see two people consistently as friends, Chelsea and Brian. Everything else is just professors or occasional friends that I see on the street. Um, but I, I'd be more scared if you stopped trying. Like that to me is is a place where I I would m- more likely intervene and s- and say that Cal I don't know if where you are now is where I want you to be. But where you are here, even though you may feel like you're somehow bleeding out friends or bleeding out time spent with other people, or bleeding out moments to be emotional. That, that is, to me, not something to worry about. It is the the moment when you stop caring is, I think, where I would, I would be more alarmed. Yeah. But you've been able to still hang out with Nathan and stuff, and that's been okay. Leilani? Yeah. Not, not Leilani at all, lately. Is she still on campus? Yeah, she's been very distant with her, but it's okay. It's just because she's seems very content with her housemates right now, and like she's been developing those relationships. Mm. And I don't feel insecure about that relationship at all, so it's okay. Mm. That's good. But and Sophia, how has that been? She left me on red again, but I'm okay. I did I did it for a lot of I texted her a lot, but well, yeah, we talk about you, so <laughs> it's it's funny. Um, <laughs> yeah, okay. it's interesting. Yeah, um, but um, it's been great. It's been it's been really nice, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Have you heard yeah. her play music yet? Oh yeah, we've been we we really got um 
in tune jazz wise. We've been doing a lot of um two five one stuff, just like drilling it in and getting a nice rhythm together. And uh, my my improv has been less bluesy, more jazzy lately, which is what I've been <laughs> wanting to do for a long time. But and so she would play bass with your piano. Yeah, exactly. She she walks it in a Dude. B flat two five one. She goes from like this B flat major to like this like. Well, she goes from the C minor to like this F mixolydian, drops it back down to the major, and then I just try to like follow and solo. Jesus. Yeah, it's nice. It's really nice. Um, and I've been playing a lot of piano, but I do just get to the these like these points where there's just this emotional tension, and I did just release it, so I feel good. That's good. Um, but yeah, sometimes it's just hard. Mm. Yeah. But this was nice. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad. Yeah. I'll have you know I'm still at V2s. I haven't made any progress. Oh. Yeah. It's still, it's still, it, I mean, it takes a while. I, I hit my first V6, which was very exciting. Uh, holy shit. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was, that was amazing. But I mean, it took me four months to hit a V4. So it takes a long time. Oh, okay. Yeah. And it takes some people three years to hit V5. So like. Jesus. Okay. <laughs> don't worry about progress and climbing. Oh, that's yeah. what that's what killed it for Leilani. And I know you wouldn't, but like Leilani just got obsessed with grades, and I was like climbing through them, and that was making her feel even worse. And like. I just I just feel like the grades are so inconsistent. Like some of these V0s are fucking harder <laughs> than V2s. <laughs> Like yeah, I can solo, solo V2 randomly, like, with first try. And then there's one V0 at my gym. They actually probably reset it already. Um, I just can't do it. It's like, a, like an overhang wall. I yeah. just can't. I just can't. And so yeah. I, I gave up on grades a long time ago. Um, I actually went climbing once high. And that was really cool. Because um, I was listening to music. And I was just in the zone, you know. Um, so that was very interesting. But yeah no that sounds amazing i mean at the end of the day you know it's like probably three employees at the climbing gym high as fuck and they're like yeah that sounds like a v2 <laughs> like, like that's that's really how much thought is put into it that's fair yeah yeah so um yeah it's it's all but but i do get the point of it people progress is people love that shit and it keeps them coming back it's almost like a marketing scheme as well mm. you know yeah yeah. So, I get it why they exist, but, um, yeah, a cool experience is is going to an ungraded gym when they haven't graded them yet. Oh, and, and and you end up trying like a V seven, you didn't even know it, and then it gets graded, and you're like, wow, I almost did that, huh? Wait, yeah, so, so you'd have to go to the gym, well, like that where they barely like, set it up, or like there are some gyms that just don't grade them. No, they all grade, but there was one that I went to where it was the first day it opened, and so I got in for free, and they hadn't quite graded them yet, and um, yeah, it was a really cool experience. Huh. It was a really cool experience, but um, but yeah, um, this was nice. Um, I, I guess I guess this is the mission, you know, like. 
it is about spirituality really mm. and it's just easy to get caught up in the things that kind of bring me down you know and like just mm. lead to the same cycle of <laughs> sadness and disappointment yeah and i don't think it's it's you you, you have to, you fall back to where you were you know i feel like the questions you, you, you i just i just remember like i had this profound sense of like like damn this is life you know when i saw the questions you were fucking writing on our on our endless letter and i was like no way no shot we'd be thinking about these two years ago right two years ago this is nothing um and so yeah it's cycles and shit and i had my record-breaking phone screen time today (laughs) but yeah i fell fell down but i fell down in a different place you know so we're just on this we're just on this ride you know we're on this roller coaster and it's going everywhere and nowhere all at once yeah um and I guess to conclude the episode, just something to look forward to. Nathan and I are planning a trip to Humboldt, and we are going to go hunting for the Atlas Grove, which is an old growth redwood forest written in this book, and it's only been visited by a few scientists in history. It's off trail. What? So, yeah, we're putting together a narrative map, and we're going to try to follow in the footsteps of the people who wrote the book about it. And use the 3D mapping they created of the grove to find it. Dude, what the fuck? Wait, this is you and you and uh, Nathan. Yeah, exactly. Dude, what the um, fuck is Nathan on, man? What kind of adventures <laughs> are you guys doing? He he is, in my opinion, if if you could see his spirit, it's it's just glowing with adventure. The need to mm. to see things, you know. Wow. Um. Does he ever and, go alone? Uh, I'm just curious. Like, yeah, solo? he does do things alone. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I mean, he's a very spiritually connected human being. I will say, like, mm. I've learned a lot from him. Um, although, I mean, he's the, the one of the main reasons he is productive is this. It stems from guilt. He he comes from a uh, lower class sort of situation. His father's a pastor, doesn't make too much, and. He almost feels like, for the sake of his family, it's almost a love language, is he has to make the most out of his education and, wow. and have things to report to his parents, you know? That and so that's sense. where it stems from. It doesn't stem from some, like, toxic place, per se, of, like, I'm better than you, my resume looks better. It's Oh, it's out of guilt. Yeah, it's, it's rooted in a, <sighs> in a place of love, honestly. Yeah, damn. I think um, that's where I'm at. I don't think... I have that guilt. Yet. I don't know what I'm fighting for. If there's a fight. Yeah. 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 We'll get there. Yeah. Okay, David. I'm gonna go watch a show with uh, Sophia. Nice. Damn, this is is such a beautiful relationship, man. Alright, I'm happy for you. (laughs) This is an hour. Holy shit, this is an hour. I know. Damn. I know. It's a big boy. We'll call it. Sounds good. Well, this this is um intense one, but this is what David and Cal, I guess, we're we feeling on on yeah. uh, Monday slash Tuesday, February twentieth slash twenty first.